Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello there and welcome to Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's sports podcast. Well, we've lots of talking points from the weekend with shocks and close calls across the championship. We'll begin with Parky Wren and Cork's close shave against Tipperary. Owen Cormican was there for us on what was a very bizarre evening on Side. Absolutely. Um, first half was a truly woeful 35 minutes of football. I don't think you needed to be in Park you're in to realise that I believe it was just as bad if you were sitting at home on the couch five scores four to tip and uh, one to Cork and Cork were truly rudderless in that first half nine wides two missed goal chances just could not make that final shot stick Um, and when tip came out at the start of the second half and kicked two points the first within 15 minutes of the second half you were you were expecting Tipperary to push on um, and to record a second consecutive championship win Credit to Cork that they did come back. Uh, a crucial moment was Ken O'Halloran's save, um, keeping out Liam Boland's shot early in the second half when Tip were three ahead. If Tip had got that, I, I couldn't have seen Cork finding a road back, but they did. Um, so credit to them in that respect. I suppose we must give them some credit, seeing as they believe they're not getting much, but um, they're going to have to improve drastically, drastically, if they are to give Kerry a game um, on July 2nd. Uh, what was the sense... In the ground, on in that first half, you know, from the from the Cork support, that the pressure was getting on top of them because there was massive pressure coming into this game. There was massive pressure on this group, on this management to produce a performance. Never mind a result. Now I know people will say it's all about the result, but this team had to produce a performance because they hadn't done so since the league went up in Derry when they were staring at relegation and it just appeared that that pressure was getting on top of them. There was good play at the back but just when it came to getting the final shot off no one was able to find the posts and you know that there was a wide after a wide building up. Paul Kerrigan kicked wides, Luke Connolly kicked wides, John O'Rourke kicked wides and you could just see the frustration building and building and then that was just pouring down from the stands at the Cork support was just getting really annoyed. One individual stood up and said, bring on Larry Tompkins. Um, it was just all getting on top of them. So it just did not look good at halftime. Um, and that they turned it around, fair play to them. But if it was Kerry that had a five-point advantage on Cork early in the second half, there would have been no coming back. Okay, but in terms of the comeback, I suppose, credit where it's due... Some of the young lads that came on, Johnny Powder uh, in particular, I was very impressed with him watching on, on television. Absolutely. The subs subs had a major impact. That does, on the other hand, quest, or place question marks over the starting team because we had three subs had been made by the start of the second half. Uh, Dunica O'Connor was the first in coming on for Peter Kelleher. Barry O'Driscoll was brought in and there was a third individual who escapes him but, and then Sean Powder and Michael Hurley both came in neither of them scored but again 
made telling impacts. It was Young Powter that stripped the ball off Kieran Bergen as Tipperary went searching for their equaliser five minutes into second half stoppages. And when you look at Cork's 11 scores, four, that's over one third of them, came from players off the bench. So they had a telling impact. But again, does that mean the strongest team didn't go out? Luke Connolly wasn't on the match day 26 below in Dungarvan, yet started here and kicked two points. Stephen Cronin, on the other hand, started against Waterford, did okay in my opinion, but wasn't on the match day 26. So there's real inconsistencies there with regard to selection, and that's obviously something that will have to be ironed out ahead of July 2nd. Okay, from a temporary perspective, I suppose we have to make mention of Michael Quinlevin's injury in the first half was a massive blow. Watching it on television, poor old Liam Kearns was on the sideline, literally pulling his hair out. Absolutely, because it had been well documented that Tip had been ravaged by injuries coming into the game, and then to lose your... Your chief target man, 19 minutes in, was a massive, massive blow because even though it wasn't being reflected on the scoreboard, Quinlevin and Sweeney were getting good change off that Cork fullback line early on. Um, he was a massive loss and it, I suppose it, it leaves Tip with that nagging feeling. What if you know Michael had played the full 70 minutes because certainly Connor on his own caused a lot of damage. you know. Um, but I suppose the Kieran Mac- or Evan Comerford, I should say, who didn't start, uh, was suspended. The goalkeeper, Kieran Kenrick, was his replacement. And, you know, when Cork pushed up in the second period, um, Tip really, really struggled under their own kickouts. And that that was key to Cork turning the tide midway through the second half. Yeah, that was going to be my next question because sometimes it's difficult watching on television in terms of kickout strategies, etc. Was there any other option for him than to go along had worked very successfully in the first half with the short kickouts, but I think that was more because Cork were sitting back. But could he have tried a, a Stephen Cluxton, you know, a quick one out to a 21-yard 21 21-yard 21 line? The options didn't seem to be there. Look, as you rightly said, in the first half, Cork sat off tip, you know, and as a result, Robbie Kiley and, you know, Brian Fox, more particularly, was the spare man on numerous occasions, was able to take the the kick out just outside the 21 and work from deep. And as a result, we had Robbie Kiley, you know, marauding into the opposition half on numerous occasions. In the second half, Cork pushed up, you know, they put a man on Brian Fox so he could no longer be the receiver. Robbie Kiley also had someone stuck to him for the entire second half. The net result was that Tip had to go along. Now, whether this was something they'd practiced or not, I don't know, but it didn't look. If it was rehearsed, it wasn't rehearsed well because when the ball was being sent out to halfway, they were contesting, but they were not winning anything at all. There were a number of kickouts that went out over the sideline on the terrace side. So never mind not winning a breaking ball, but to see kickouts dribbling out over the sideline is never good for morale. Um, but credit again there to Cork that they did push up. But absolutely, the tips, tips lack of success on their own kickout in the second half yeah. was a, a major factor. Finally, on in terms of the Cork game, what was the mood management-wise afterwards? Just relief, I presume. Relief, yes. Um, yeah, they were, look, they were really, really happy, but they were also keen to get a couple of points across. Pather in particular, you know, wasn't happy or you know, isn't happy with the coverage his team has been receiving. Battered was one word he used. Bashed was another. This, of course, by the media um, and columnists and television pundits. Um, you know, there was also a remark towards the smallest pitch, smallest um, pitch in Parkerin, which was up in the corner. That was in reference to Colm O'Rourke and Colm Cooper, who were in situ for... RTE, so they're obviously not happy with the the media coverage. And then there was also the remark, which Pather was also keen to make towards the county board, that these championship games that have been scheduled for next weekend, which they claim will involve 18 of their panellists and leave them with only three training sessions, uh, three proper 
you know, full-blooded training sessions ahead of the Munster final. As we speak, those games are on, but it remains to be seen if they will be changed. But I suppose, you know, we should add that the there was hurling championship games two weeks ago, two weeks prior to the Munster semi-final, and the hurlers were afforded two weeks preparation, and the footballers will be given the same treatment. So it can't be argued that one code is getting prefer- preferential treatment. These club games, if they go ahead on Saturday, will still be played outside the ter- 13-day window. Okay, now Cork will be playing... Kerry in that monster final. You were in Cusick Park as well, Owen, and uh, a sticky day for Eamon Fitzmaurice's men? Absolutely. Um, a bit like Tip, looking good early in the second half on Saturday evening. Claire looked very good early in the second half. Had the win behind them, had numerical advantage, um, given Dunica Walsh had received his marching orders late in the first half and wore a point ahead. Um, and as I made mention in the report in today's examiner, Jamie Malone's shot, which came off the crossbar on 44 minutes at a time when Clare were one up, had that gone in and had Clare pushed four ahead because they did have the momentum and they had the crowd on their side, you know, it would have been really, really difficult for Kerry. Perhaps they would have got out of it, but they would have had to expend a huge amount of energy, more so than they probably thought traveling up to Ennis. But the ball trickled out wide. Um, Clare got nothing from it. Kerry kicked the next five scores and it was game over. And James O'Donoghue getting a lot of plaudits, I see, this morning. Absolutely, and rightly so. Um, didn't have it all his own way um, early on, but I suppose that was stemming from the fact that he hadn't played inter-county fair since the league match against Roscommon on March 5th. The first three balls he went away from him, but he eventually settled into his stride Um and was one of two carry forwards to score from play in the first half. But in the second half, as Eamon Fitzmaurice rightly alluded to afterwards, he was the man showing leadership. He was the man leading the charge. Um, kicked three second half points from play. Three excellent points now, to be fair. And finished with nine in total. So, you know, very, very good performance from James. And I suppose good to see that he's back fit and healthy. Other positives from Eamon Fitzmaurice's perspective? Uh, the championship debuts were handed to Kevin McCarthy, to Jack Barry and Jack Savage also coming on. That was his first championship involvement. None set the world alight, but but solid. And I suppose important that they got championship game time ahead of the, the Munster final on July 2nd. And also, of course, that Kieran Donaghy, we saw him for the first time in 2017, as did uh, we see Johnny Buckley for the first time in 2017. <clears throat> And good to see Johnny Buckley, I suppose, because, look, there had been injury concerns surrounding Johnny from the All-Ireland Club final win with Crokes. But the, that the two of them got game time, management will have been very, very pleased with that. OK, in terms of Colm Collins and Clare, then we'll go into the qualifiers in a positive frame of mind. Yes, but as Colm said afterwards, massively frustrated and massively disappointed that they didn't take this opportunity and that they allowed Clare, you know, to push seven eight points ahead with five six minutes left given they had been such a, a good position but yes yeah look they they're, but, but they're just po- that, that, that finishing stretch there on was that as much to do with Kerry upping at a gear or you know the so-called weaker county of Clare losing their way Kerry absolutely did up at a gear and the intensity Clare weren't able for but they should have been better able to cope with it given it was they who had the numerical advantage like it wasn't 15 and 15 it was 14 Kerry players you know outrunning 15 Clare players so that should not have been the case so that's that's something for management to look at but credit to Clare look 
as David O'Brien said in, in the examiner during the week, they weren't going out to contain Kerry. They were going out to play 15 on 15 because that's their style. They did that um, and they stayed with them for 55 minutes or so. And look, there were a number of good performances. Gary Brennan was again excellent. David Tuberty off both feet, as people would have seen in Sunday game last night. Absolutely class footballer. So there are positives there and, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, if they wind up in the All-Ireland quarterfinals again after a good qualifier run, it won't come as a surprise to Manny because they're one of the teams in that pack, in the middle of the pack um, on the football ladder that are making real progress. And thanks indeed to Owen for that. Next, we're going to uh, return to the action in Porky Wren and hear the thoughts of former Tipperary star Declan Brown on an opportunity lost for the Premier County. I was thinking myself that like, we, we were two points up, um, constantly to kick two scores, draw the match, and just to, just to hold still a bit and, and, and get back to, to, to basics and, and don't leave them up the field. And we were barely sitting down in our seat and it was buried above in the, in the other nest. So um, would we deserve to win it? I don't think so. I, I think it was a case of maybe a draw was probably going to be the fair result because it was two teams that just didn't want to didn't really want to have to go for it until the last five minutes. Um, so it would be interesting to see what would have happened after a replay. But as the Gareth says, I suppose we we so much hopes and expectations now that we are disappointed that we, that we lost it. But, um, but Cork, the Ferris, they, 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 they dug deep and they, they grounded out and they, they closed out the game then with the last two or three minutes by passing over and back to field. So uh, we, were, we were never going to get another chance. OK, talk me through the emotion that you went through from the Tipperary goal to the Cork goal in the space of what, about 45 seconds? Yeah, I was trying to, uh, an old teammate of mine, Tom Anklip, uh, and we were hungry to actually. We thought that we were getting out of jail, you know, um, and I'd safely say we hadn't finished talking, we, we, we hadn't sat back down the seat, and the Cork had the rope behind us, and they were <laughs> they were doing the same, so it's just, it's a hard, it's a very, very hard lesson to learn. Like, you know, I was even just thinking coming home in the, in the car after us, uh, you could just see a Cork or a Dublin or a Kerry or a Donegal concede a goal like that after scoring a goal, and you couldn't. So it's just it's just going to be a, a difficult learning curve for us today, but um, it's one they have to take on the chin. But is that just naivety on the lads' part or innocence? Yeah, I would like I would like we were again the players were kind of like ourselves. They were they were there was ecstasy down the field. You know they were, they, they couldn't believe themselves that Connor actually actually got to the to the ball to tap into the net. So. Number one, like Ken O'Halloran shouldn't have been allowed to get the ball so quick, and that that kind of started it off. We were we were chasing it then, and Cork had the, the the overlap the whole time up the field. So, and like I said in my article today, like Owen Duffy from one hand, like took a black card. I would have taken a red card, and I know I don't like to preach that kind of um, cynical play, but at the end of the day, we'd have been in the Munster final prepared for it, you know. So it's it's, it's just like I said, it's a hard it's a hard pill to swallow. But the other the other side of it is, it's kind of like. Did we deserve to win it? I, I don't think so. You know, so it's 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 kind of double-edged sword. You mentioned Ken O'Halloran's uh, kick out there and his quick thinking. Did the kick out strategy catch Tipperary in the second half? The the car kick out. The the, uh, the Tipperary kick outs in the oh, second half. I, I think, like as I said, um, like my own club mate here in Kenry, like he got a dream first half. Like his car didn't put any pressure on on his kick out. So you know everything went right for him, but. I just think when we when we had to go along, obviously Cork knew Cork were there waiting for the, the, the scraps as well, so they, they got the breaks. But um, like Quinn Lim was massive loss. You know he can and he did it last year when we were under pressure in the middle of the field. He came out with one vital ball, so um, we were always under pressure. And I think once once we we couldn't get that foothold 
um, in, in, around the middle of the field um, Conor Sweeney was always going to struggle because there was no ball going in but I think Cork Cork knew that they were in trouble um, and they knew they had to push up and they knew they had to go for it so I think it worked out well for them Now in terms of the criticism that Cork have endured over the last couple of weeks and possibly into the league you could be talking months as well you know you've been there as a player Dick and as an amateur player it must be very hard to these things to read these things and as well for their families as well yeah it's, it's like I said <laughs> we, we've gone through the last couple of weeks up here in Dipleton we've all been lambasted as, as players um, down through the years uh, for playing poorly and, and, and this and that but when it comes when it becomes personal it's it's a, it's a different kettle of fish you know no one, no one has to endure that and full stop it. it's not it's all about enjoyment as well we like no one realised the amount of the amount of training and all that. So, for me, no intercounty player, no club player goes out to play bad poorly on on purpose. So the, the stick the Cork the Cork players have got over the last um, few months has been has been ridiculous. And I suppose it does feed into them. And you could see obviously in the Watford match and in the first half last Saturday night, you could see that they do they, they kind of believe in themselves nearly. Uh, and it, it's wrong, Colin, but uh, that's. Listen, that's sport and that's the way it has to be but uh, when it becomes personal I think it, 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 it's gone a bit over the top but just following on from that point there Declan when when they kind of played without the shackles in the second half they were you know it was like night and day the difference between Cork in the first half and the second half yeah I was I was directly across from the, the Cork, between the Cork half hard and Cork full hard in, in the first half and you know I, I just done better myself they, they just weren't moving they didn't keep interested but um, when they brought on that injection of pace from from Pelter and Mark Collins and all that, it was a different different story. Um, our half back line was cleaning up in the first half, and I suppose they exerted so much energy they were going to tire. And when they tired, it was a culmination of both tired and the fresh legs from Cork that they really went at it. And like Paul Kerrigan, you know, like a lot of been written about Paul Kerrigan as well down to the years. Like he, this time he does break the manager's heart because. He, he'll do more bad things than good, but my God, he dug, he dug deep, and he, he, I think he brought Cork back into that game on his own on, on Saturday night. And I, I think it was a clever move, out of, whether it was himself or with a Pat Healy, they put him on Shane O'Connell in, in, in the second half, and he kicked three points off Shane, young Shane on his debut as well, so they kind of got that one right. Okay, finally, Declan, in terms of Tipperary and the qualifiers, obviously a lot of concern over Michael Quinlivan's ankle injury. The fact that you've had so many other players unavailable for various different reasons it's going to be very hard to, to match the fairy tale story of 2016 it definitely is it is I, and it's I, 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 like Lee Kearns was, was last year he was on about the fellas we were missing and I, I kind of you know I, I kind of had a, I wasn't enough of it but it's just it kept going on and on and on and, and we were blaming this the whole time and look and look how far we got and it kind of started a small bit this year but I do feel sorry for him because you know I think if Quinn Livingston in the pitch Saturday night we, we win the match and, and I, I have no doubt about that because he, he gives it both inside and outside but it's just Liam Cairns is not getting a bit of luck you know Philip Austin young Jack Kennedy was gone before the match the last day and I know every inter-county team has that those problems but ourselves if he could just get a bit of luck on, on, on the injury front and have everyone available I don't think too many teams will want to play as the qualifiers you know, so, and we've had that experience of their own you know so um, it's going to be hard there's no doubt about it but listen, it, it'll be something we look forward to and with, with interest 
Wexford Park hosted a thrilling Leinster Senior Hurling Championship semi-final between Wexford and Kilkenny on Saturday evening. David Fitzgerald's men emerged victorious and have booked a place in a Leinster final. I wondered if our own John Fogarty had seen that result coming. No, I didn't call him. Um, I fancied that it was going to be quite tight, obviously because of the crowd, which surprisingly you know wasn't as big as most people expected i think some commentators were saying it could have sold two times over and sure listen we saw some of the the queues for tickets last week but no it was below capacity um but still they made a hell of a noise um and obviously you know the the davy factor which has been spoken about before but um, it's interesting now the players seem to be playing that down a little bit and uh, they're talking about the whole backroom team and uh, there's a hell of a lot of guys there, uh, Park Fanning, Saoirse Bulf and PJ Ride coming up against his own county as well. So, um, you know, it is very much a team effort as much as Fitzgerald was um, in the vicinity, as we all know, there at the weekend. But it was a, it was a great occasion. Um, it was <coughs> a long time coming from Wexford, they will argue. And yet, you know, they, it, it appeared that they were, to me anyway, it appeared that they were by far the better team. And yet... Um, you know, they they only won by three points in the end, which I think is a testament to this Kilkenny team as much as we all know they aren't the Kilkenny of old and they're carrying a couple of players. They're certainly passengers on this Kilkenny team and yet they were able to come to, you know, as close as three points, if not, you know, even closer with the, the late scramble and Chris Bulger being denied by uh, Mark uh, Fanning there at the end. Um, it, it it was a bit too close for comfort, but it was always probably going to be that way for Wexford. You know, they were fighting history as much as they were fighting Kilkenny. In relation to Wexford and, you know, so much talk last year after Davey leaving clear about the, the setup and the sweeper system and everything like that. Is it fair to say that, Davy has moved on a bit in terms of technical innovation with Wexford. Um, the, 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 listen, the, Sean Murphy was playing a sweeper as he has been over the last while. There was a little bit of innovation there in the sense that Jack Guiney was brought in and Conor McDonald was able to to roam out the field and we, we see Lee Chin um, toggling between uh, midfield and the half-forward line. Sometimes he was picked up by Killian Buckley and then he moved towards midfield where he was picked up by um, uh, Deegan at times as well and uh, they, they, there was a bit of difficulty there. But no, it's still the sweeper system. Now, obviously, there's three or four ways of playing it as much as Murphy is the the, the fulcrum there or certainly the, the, the guy there. But I, what was most interesting to me at the weekend column was that Kilkenny emulated it. They felt that they had to mirror it. Um, I know a lot of Kilkenny supporters will take umbrage at that. Um, and maybe they, they might those more realistic might even uh, see that Cody uh, did this and, and will criticise him for it. But um, they, it looked like uh, they were emulating it. It certainly felt like that, that they were emulating um um, Wexford and the way that they were shaping up Conor Fogarty was playing the sweeper they might say an extra defender I say sweeper um, he was between the two lines at semantics but at the same time you know for all the uh, criticism coming out of Kilkenny not from Brian Cody but from from former players about the sweeper system and how much um, they, um, they, they they think it's negative and that they think it's neg- uh, limited um, it was quite interesting to see that uh, they, they joined Wexford in, in, in applying one there in Wexford Park on Saturday. Uh, Lee Chen gaining a huge amount of plaudits. Uh, John, just talk us through his performance. Yeah, it was really the second half when he came into his own column. Like he was decent in the first half, made a couple of points from place balls and what have you, um, set up a couple of scores. But it was really 
what stood out for me was the tour de force from him, um, particularly after the after the second Kilkenny goal. Like it, you know, all the initiative was with Kilkenny at that stage, and yet it was it was Lee Chin who stood up, and he scored the next point, which was vital from the puck out. He made an unbelievable uh, leap, as we saw in the highlights, um, and. Um, uh, to set up Matthew O'Hanlon to set up the platform for it he passed it on and then it was on to Matthew O'Hanlon um, and, and then he scored a 65 there as well like he really was the, the you know O'Hanlon obviously he shares the joint captain Davy Fitz likes the idea of joint captains he did it last year with Clare as well but Chin really looked like the, the skipper there on the uh, on, on Saturday and um, he's he really coming into his own like I, I see Babs Keaton referring to him as um, a great athlete but I think he's a fine hurler too he's unorthodox absolutely he's unorthodox but that's probably one of his um, his, his best trading um, as, uh, attributes anyway because uh, the strength of the guy is phenomenal you only have to see the size of his back um, it's, he, he barreled uh, Walter Walsh who was what 16-17 stone out of the way in the first half some people might say it was a little bit illegitimate but a lot of things were going to be let go by a referee like Fergal Horgan he likes to let mm. the, 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 the game flow but Chin, Chin is uh Chin, you can understand why Chin is so marketable, marketable at the moment. He is the new Sean O'Go helping in that in that way, and um, obviously Sean O'Go had the the All Stars and what have you. But um, you know, Lee Chin is still a young fella, and um, he looks already to the manner born as a leader. Uh, finally, John, and just in terms of uh, Kilkenny, uh, looking at, uh, like yourself at the highlights of the match, a whole host of very uncharacteristic wides, uh, which I was very surprised by. Yeah, um, very much so. Jerry Ilward, I think, had four wides, and obviously people were pointing to his rustiness. And you know the fact that you know, a rule of thumb for me, Cullum, is um, to you know usually give a pat to you know to somebody who's picked up a cruciate injury. You usually, usually give them, or I certainly give them a little bit of a pass for the following season because there, it really takes a year to eighteen months to really come back from it. And you know we saw with Cullum Cooper, the, you know the the season that he was back, he wasn't really performing, um, and we. We've seen it with the likes of Kieran Kilkenny in the past as well. You know, it took a while for him to get up and running. And Edward, at least he was showing. Obviously, he was getting frustrated. He was on a yellow card. He had the four wides. You know, he is a not a tempestuous type of guy, but certainly um, he's a fiery type of character. He didn't like some of the marking um, that was being applied to him. Um, but he was guilty of wides. Uh, Park Watch was guilty of wides. They were playing. <clears throat> you know. It, it, it was obvious that they were playing into that breeze, which was which was quite difficult at that stage. But it, it certainly wasn't Kilkenny like to, to be so erratic in their shooting. But uh, again, I would question just how many uh, these guys were seriously match match fit. Like Jay Edward, obviously he had a couple of club games under his belt, but we hadn't seen anything of him in the league. Park Walsh coming back from a fractured heel, was he right? Why was he playing it in the position that he was playing? Um, you know, he's not used to it. Uh, you know, Tommy Walsh obviously started his, his brother Tommy started his career um, or Kilkenny career in the forwards and, and moved back. But we've only known Park Walsh as a wing back and as a full back um, in, in the league this year. But we certainly haven't seen him in such an advanced position. And I wonder if Kilkenny were playing to him at their strengths there in that regard. And Richie Hogan, you know, we had heard <clears throat> some talk about his back coming into the game and, and he was in pain coming off the, the field there at the end. He wasn't the Richie Hogan that we've known over the last three or four seasons season so um, it just shows how 
how uh, Anthony Daly made the point in the in our newspaper today that you know the the the, the pool the depth of uh, of ta- the, the the talent pool isn't as um, as as deep as it uh, or certainly isn't as large as it was in the in the past and I think that's uh, you know come to show or come to bear now. Okay, it'll make for a, a very interesting and exciting qualifier uh, draw next uh, Monday morning. We'll be adding uh, Cork and Watford to the mix. Uh, as well for that okay now let's turn our attention on to the uh, football action you were out in uh, Salt Hill then yesterday John for uh, Mayo Galway a- again I'm going to ask you the question did you see this one coming um, no again it's like you're trying to humiliate me with the with the predictions no I didn't I obviously I thought it was going to be very tight again much like what happened in Wexford Park but I fancy that Mayo's experience and plus their hunger from last year and losing as they did to Galway in Casabar last year that that would stand to them but obviously everything was affected um, the Keith Higgins sending off in the first half totally justified uh, decision um, shouldn't be yeah I was just going to ask you on that John as far as you're concerned absolutely no complaint yeah no complaint he, he, I think he knew it himself as well um, Higgins like I, I think the argument was made in the Sunday game that he isn't a dirty player but you know what he isn't but he's going to be kicking himself and he can only hope that the next day that Mayo win so that you know like Higgins is over the 30 mark he's as fit as a fiddle there's no doubt and there's probably another year or two left in him but you would imagine if um, if if Mayo were to lose in the in the qualifiers just how much of an appetite he would have to come back again Um you know, a lot of people are signalling the, the the death knell already of this Mayo side. Certainly, with the likes of Alan Dillon, who wasn't on the match day panel yesterday, but Colin Boyle, who uh, wasn't started. Stephen Ratchford said that was a tactical decision. If the likes of Keith Higgins, David Clark, and guys like that, and you're wondering um, just how much more football they have in them. Um, uh, obviously, you know there, there were positives in the sense that they were very competitive with Galway, and Galway were very jittery towards the end. Um, and Mayo could easily have stolen it, but they haven't. And now they're in the qualifiers again. And it's a long road from the second round. You know, three three games to win to get to a a, a quarter final, and they are on the most difficult side of the the qualifier draw this year with the likes of Donegal and Tyrone to come into it too, and Mead and Kildare. So it just remains to be seen. You know, is this is this the end of this Mayo team? Now they they will just like Kilkenny, they will thrive on being written off and dismissed and ignored. And if some of the injuries clear up for, for Stephen Ratchford like Conor O'Shea and um, the likes of Brendan Harrison and guys like that then they will have certainly they will make a, a great fist of it in the, in the qualifiers but um, there's so many questions of them now and uh, a lot of questions of this management team too um, that's one thing that I think Stephen Ratchford has to acknowledge now like he is I, he is a proven manager certainly um, the way that the, the Mayo came back and got up uh, off their knees last year was very impressive but you know the two league campaigns have been quite mediocre and now uh, being knocked out of Connacht again as much as Galway are on the rise um, it, 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 it's not acceptable in a county like uh, Mayo as much as they recognise just what the players have done over the last few years Aidan O'Shea probably the most talked about Mayo footballer of 2017 how did he play when he came on? Very impressive, um, as much as clearly he's struggling with a groin um, problem, but he gave them, um, you know, Seamus O'Shea took a hit in the first half from Paul Conroy and John Dibley mentioned it in his column, he was he was never the same game, the same player again, uh, column, uh, um, from there on in and um, 
you know, Aiden gave gave them a bit of a force in the middle. Um, obviously, he had that uh, disallowed point, but he won a couple of uh, kickouts. He, I remember him or intercepting the ball as well. So he definitely gave them something. As much as he's not a seventy minute player at the moment, and it remains to be seen if he is going to be a seventy minute player for the for for uh, in the qualifiers or in the next qualifier. Anyway. Um, like he definitely, uh, he, he he's one guy who can hold his head up after this game. Whereas there are a few guys there, you know, the full back line wasn't the best day. Um, Paul, uh, Patrick Dorkin was very impressive, um, but the likes of um, the likes of Andy Moore didn't have a great game. Dermot O'Connor was really, put, you know, didn't wasn't allowed to get going. And um, Fergal Bowlin still a young guy, still quite experienced. And on a day like this, he was uh, he was found a little bit wanting, but. Um, yeah, you know, listen, you know, we're talking about Mayo here. The winners are Galway, and that's that's really who we should be talking about more because they are on the up. Like everything seems to be going right for them at the moment. They, as, as much as I still think they're playing a bit too conservative, excuse me, conservatively for their for their own liking. But again, that that seems to be Kevin Walsh's way. Going back to his time with Sligo, it always seemed to be a safety first approach, and even with the forwards that they have, you'd love to see them. You know, be let off the leash a bit, but clearly they are uh, a little bit mindful that they do struggle at, with their full back at, uh, line at times, and um, that Tipperary, uh, how Tipperary, how Connor Sweeney and Michael Quinlan took them to the cleaners last year, uh, is still fresh in the mind there. Uh, just from going through your uh, report and some of the quotes today, I got the impression, John, that Galway felt that last year's uh, victory over Mayo in the Connacht Championship that they didn't get the credit that they deserved for it and that's been a, a bit of a chip on their shoulder for the last 12 months it just seems to be the case like obviously we wouldn't have heard anything about it if um, they had lost and that's that, obviously that's the way everyone seems to be um, I remember speaking to Kilkenny's Paul Murphy about it before you know everyone looks for an angle and you know, Damien Comer was mentioning that they didn't. They felt that they weren't given enough credit for last year. And that coming into this game, it was all about Mayo. And in fairness, it was all about Mayo. If you look back last week, there wasn't too much talk about um, Galway at, at all. You know, it was a case of you know Mayo on a revenge mission and to reassert their authority in um, the kind of championship. But Galway put them in their in their uh, in their place as much as they were really hanging on towards the end. Again, it just I still think that they have this forward line column that is. Uh, quite explosive, and it, if it is given the, the opportunity, and um, to really go at teams, then you know, Galway could, have, you know, in time, could be the most explosive uh, forward line in the country. But again, you know, they, you, you know, Kevin Walsh was very mindful of, of protecting that full back line, and obviously they were using the spare man and had the overlap after Keith Higgins, um, sending off, and, and that suited them down to a T. But um, they're going to be bigger challenges, and I'm not talking about a Connacht final, but you know, <clears throat> Galway now have got the the monkey off their back as regards Crow Park so they will be you know they're, they're guaranteed it to be in the, the last 12 now and uh, you would imagine they will win the Connacht final and uh, we're talking an all-on quarter-final then are they a top four team um, that, that is the serious question there at this moment in time I would still have a few um, reservations about just not not the personnel but maybe a couple of guys um, in the full back line certainly have to improve I felt that they were a little bit uh, they were fortunate to get away with some of the the, the fouling yesterday um, but in, in the way they play that's where the, 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 I have most concerns there Colm. I just think that they have to be a little bit more offensive and that's it from Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. We're back again uh, next week. Plenty of talking points as always. Don't forget you can keep in touch via SoundCloud, iTunes and on the Irish Examiner website, www.irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 